The pastor can do that. The uh, song leader can do that. How about me doing that? How about me doing that? How about us doing that? Nehemiah, he said, you know what? Something needs to be done. And he was thinking on these things to the point that it was bothering him. He was burdened. How many ever had a burden in here tonight? Every one of us have had burdens at one time or another. But when a burden comes from God, it's for a purpose. It's for a reason not to be shunned off, not to be neglected, not to be despised, but it's something we should really pray and consider. God, what would you have me to do? Nehemiah was doing such, and it was on his mind. It lets me know that Nehemiah was that one of those fellows that lived on the hallelujah side because the king notices his countenance is not quite the same like it always was. And he asked him, and that scared him because, you know, you, you don't have the gloom and doom and the despair around the king. That could get you in big trouble. You could lose your position real quick. And Nehemiah, he expresses to him, he just opens his heart. But God had already prepared the heart of the king. And of course, we know he gets permission and he goes. And he is the one that oversees the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. But it's during this time, and he espies the land at night, and they begin to work. Anytime you start to do a work for God, the enemy will try to discourage you. Anytime you set out to do something for God, the enemy will try to discourage you, upset you, or make fun of you. We live in a world today when you dare to be different, people want to laugh at you. They'll point at you. They'll talk about you. I think all of us probably have experienced that at some time or another. But that's all right. Let them go ahead and talk. Because we're not going to answer to them. We're going to answer to the Almighty one day and give it our account. And so these men laughed. <laughs> and one of them even made the comment, you know, I bet if a fox ran up on that wall, it would fall over. Mocking, making fun. We know them today in modern times as scoffers as scoffers. Let's move forward in the book of Job, chapter 12, verse 4. Job said, I am as one mocked of his neighbor, who calleth upon God, and he answereth him, the just upright man is laughed to scorn. We know what happened to Job and how he suffered because of his walk and true love for God, and his so-called friends even came to him to bring him comfort. Those are the kind of friends, really, we'd be better just for them to stay home. Because he was already discouraged and lost and suffered and in pain and agony. And here he has friends that come, and before long, they're trying to say, well, buddy, you must have messed up somewhere. You've upset God. All this stuff's coming on you. You had to sin somewhere. Oh, my. We're going to get to that in a little bit. We're going to get to that in a little bit. But, you know, in all this, we read the Scripture said, Job did not charge God foolishly. He said, the Lord give and the Lord taken away, and blessed be the name of the Lord. He goes on in one place, and Job had even said, those skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I'll see God. He kept his love, respect, and honor to God. No matter what life throws at you, keep your respect to God. Keep your love and your honor in your heart. God. 
In Job 16.20 it said, My friends do what? Scorn me. But my eye poureth out tears unto God. Our answer will always be in prayer. Your answer will always be on your knees in prayer. Not everybody's going to be your buddy. You've got to come to realize this. When you start out to live for God, I may tell you this much, you will find out who your real friends are. You will. You'll find out who your real friends were and who they were not. We all have experienced that as well. Job said, they scorned me. They mocked me. They made fun of me. Job was such a prosperous man. We read in the book of Job how that God had blessed him. Everyone looked at Job with awe, with respect, with, with an honor. He was an elder, but he was also so blessed of God that it took attention to everybody. But then when God allowed the heads to be dropped, and when things began to happen to Job, even his friends mocked him. Even those that were supposed to be his friends, his peers, mocked him. And Job reminds us that it's through prayer that we're going to survive. Sometimes those that are close to us can be the most cruel. Sometimes the brother, the sister, the mom, the dad, and sometimes even a spiritual brother or sister, God forbid, could even discourage you. Maybe not intentionally, but like Job's friends with intentions that are well could say something could hurt. It's at those times we have to go to God and really open our heart to Him because He will be a friend to you no matter what. God won't leave you. God won't forsake you. You just got to stay close to Him. And by doing so, you'll find comfort. In the book of Psalm, chapter 22, verse 7, the psalmist tells us, he says, All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, Have you ever had someone when you've made a mistake? I've had this happen. Maybe you haven't. I have. Have you ever made a mistake and someone like, That makes you feel good, doesn't it? <laughs> I've had that happen. Maybe you have too. There's always going to be a finger pointing. Always going to be someone say, Boy, you really messed that up. Thanks. <laughs> You're always going to have support like that. I don't call that positive, obviously, support. A positive support would be, well, you made a mistake there. Can I help you with something? Now, I could take that. I think we all could. But you're not always going to get that, especially in the world. You're not always going to get that encouragement, always. But you can find it through God's Word. You can find it in the presence of the Lord. And the psalmist reminds us that those things we will experience in life. But that's why you and I have got to do what he did. Remember when his men talked of stoning him? Remember how that David, after his men and him had been gone fighting, and they come back and they find Ziklag and the condition that it's in, burnt with fire? Remember? They wept until they couldn't cry anymore, and then his men spoke of, killing their leader. But the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. So must you and I do. Stay with me. We're pressing on. We're giving some examples tonight. In the book of Isaiah, in this reference, we read about 
You find it in Isaiah 37, chapter 37, where King Hezekiah, King Hezekiah has been confronted with a letter. I remember the letter that Hezekiah received. There was an Assyrian king that exerted and said, we're going to destroy you. We have destroyed all peoples before us. You're next on our list. We're going to destroy you. And we will take of you what we so desire. All the gods before, we have destroyed, and they could not withstand our great army. And your God will be no different. That's where people make their mistake. Because you can challenge me. Yeah, you're probably smarter. A lot of you are. You're probably stronger. Many of you are. Most of you probably know more than I do. Very true. So you can challenge me on those things and maybe get by all right. But if you come against me concerning my God, my friend, <laughs> I'm going to step back and say, have at it. Because this is not my battle now at this point. It's his. You've opened Pandora's box. <laughs> and that's what the king done of Assyria. And he said, your God will be no different. Your kingdom will be no different. Your army has no, your army's nothing compared to my army. Oh, but my friend, we can do like Hezekiah did. Yeah, we're going to be pointed out. There will be people will say, yeah, you go to that little church and such and such. I go to this big church with a huge steeple and, and I've got all this, you know, our churches and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, okay. I don't care about all that stuff. Reminds me of a, Reminds me of a story I heard of an evangelist told about several years ago. He had been invited to a big church by the pastor of that church. He wanted to show him this beautiful edifice. He showed him all the tapestries on the wall. I mean, this was a laid-out place. And there's nothing wrong, believe me. I'm not being critical. I'm just stating some fact here. He, and, and the pastor showed him all this elaborate stuff. And, of course, he knew that this... This evangelist just started this little missions work, and it was basically just a shack. It, it wasn't hardly anything at all. And after all, he showed him and all the splendor of the sanctuary and this and that, and then he just kind of a glee and, and an intimidation. You see, the enemy will always try to intimidate you. He will always try to make you feel smaller. He will always make you feel inferior. His goal is to tear you down. Why? Because he knows you've got something he doesn't have. Friend, we've got something our enemy does not have. We've got something our adversary does not have. Oh, we've got the love of God. We've got the power of God. We've got the genuine joy of the Holy Ghost. And that pastor flaunting everything in the face of this young preacher with a little shack church down the road, I love what he said. After it was all done, and he showed him the tour and looked at him just kind of gleefully, and he said at first it bothered him. He felt intimidated. Then he says, you've got a beautiful fireplace, but we've got the fire. And he walked away. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad for the fire of God. How about you? Oh, I'm glad for the fire of God. But Hezekiah was being intimidated by this king of Assyria. He presented the letter he prayed, and God sent the prophet. And the answer, the Lord had that battle. And we know what happened. 
One angel of God, church, one angel of God destroyed over 200,000 soldiers of that Assyrian army in one night. And when they woke up, well, those that did wake up, and that army, there was no army. <laughs> and that bragging king went back home to be slain by his own sons. You see, people need to be careful. Don't talk about my God. I love him. And I'll stand for him. Oh, he can defend himself. But I'm not going to stand by idly. He's my God. He's my rock. He's my friend. And he's a lover of my soul. And I'm not ashamed of my Savior. Not ashamed at all of my Savior. And so we read these examples. And then we read another example in the book of Ezra. Or Ezekiel, rather. Ezekiel 23, verse 32 and this verse says to us tonight, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou shalt drink of thy sister's cup, deep and large. Thou shalt be laughed to scorn, and, in, and had in desertion, and containeth much. You know, this was sad because Israel had forsaken God, and they had already been defeated. The ten tribes have already been defeated. They had been enslaved. But now Judah... And Jerusalem had begun to forsake their God. When you begin to forsake God, my friend, His blessings will dwindle away. The blessings of God will begin to funnel away. You may be good for a while, but if you turn your back on God, my friend, there's no worse thing in life than when God turns His back on you. And the Lord was saying through the prophet Ezekiel here, you're going to drink from that cup that your sister drank from. You're going to receive what she received. And, of course, we know it happened. Because the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, comes in and destroys Jerusalem, levels the walls, destroys them, and they were laughed. They were so blessed. They were so blessed, and they boasted of the prosperity and blessings of God. Friend, tonight, remember, God's blessings remain on you because of your, your submission to Him, your love for Him. It's not because you're somebody special. It's not because I am somebody special. He's the only one that's special. And we've got to keep him first. And if we lose that, we lose everything else. Oh, God, help us tonight to maintain, maintain the love, the honor for you, for your word. And so these are some examples in the Old Testament. But in our reading tonight in the Gospel of Matthew, we read about something that, is sort of troubling. I, I've wondered sometimes about what all the Lord, and I understood partly what he meant, but he said, give not that which is holy to dogs. You know, the Bible talks about dogs, and our minds were thinking, well, isn't the dog man's best friend? Isn't Fido man's best friend? We got a little dog at home, and he's a good little feller. I, I like that little dog. But dogs have not always been man's best friend. In fact, there's places today you got to be afraid of dogs because they run in packs, and they'll attack you. They will attack you, especially if they're hungry. And so he said to us concerning this, concerning the dogs, 
they knew what he meant because they probably had the wild pack dogs that ran around and they knew what they could do, the damage to livestock as well as to children, human life. So he lets us know that concerning the dogs, we've got to be careful. Then he said, neither cast your pearls before swine. I think we all have an understanding here. The swine, the pig, was unclean to the Jew. They would not eat that bacon. They would not eat that ham, those pork chops. It's unclean. They wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. So when Jesus said concerning swine, they already had, that was detestable to the Jew because they thought, ooh, that dirty, nasty thing. And so he's given an illustration about the things that are holy. Be careful. Don't present them before swine and dogs because those dogs and those swine can and many times will turn and rend you. Now we come to what was he meaning? Who were they? I think in Jesus' day, I think we all know who he could refer to, don't we? Scribes, Pharisees. Now it wasn't all. We know there were some good ones. There obviously was. We do know that Nicodemus was a Pharisee that believed, and there were others that believed. So we can't put it on all the Pharisees, but we do know that it was primarily focused upon the scribes and the Pharisees. And it says here in the Gospel of Matthew, and we, well, I want to read this tonight, in Matthew 15, 1 through 3, it says, Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? Some more of those pickers poking and why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do you transgress the commandment of God by your traditions? <laughs> oh, I love how the Lord always had a way of turning things around. He always did. He was good at it. He is so good at it. There's always going to be scorners and scoffers, finger pointers, always somebody to point out how you messed up. You made a mistake. Yes, I did. I'll probably make more of them too. I'm not perfect. I'm not. I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to learn. But I'm not perfect. And so we find here that they were pointing the finger of scorn, if you will, and the Lord turned it back around. You know what Jesus said about them? Oh, yeah? You're a bunch of whitewashed sepulchers. <laughs> You look good on the outside. You look nice and clean. You're dressed good. You look good. But inside, you're full of dead men's bones. Inside, you are wretched and nasty. You're, you're like a crypt, full of dead man's bones. The Lord turned it around on them. You see, God knows hearts of men. He knows what they think. He knows how they think. We also must learn. We also must learn. I believe it's vital that we, we are to be a witness for God. How many believe that with me tonight? I believe we're to be a witness for God. I believe we're to share our testimony. And when the Lord lays upon our heart to do so, we should do so. And we should do so with everything we got in us. Just be sincere, open, and 
share what God has given to us. I got something I want to come back to, but I want to read to you first in Matthew 23, 34. Jesus got even more in depth, and he got more personal to these finger accusers, pointers. He said, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify. You're not only going to be scornful in your words, but I'm going to send people to you to give you clear direction that would be a help to you. I'm going to give them a message that can change your life. But you're not only going to be scornful in your words, but your actions will be actions of death and cruelty. And the Lord began to tell them this in this verse. And he said, some of them you shall kill and crucify. Some of them you shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. How many remember in the book of Acts when Peter and John, when they pray and the lame man's uh, healed at the gate beautiful? Remember what happens afterwards? They threaten them. They threaten the men of God. They beat the men of God. And then they set them out. And they say, they threaten them, don't speak in this name anymore. You see, because when you speak truth, people don't want to hear truth. Because sometimes truth is offensive. Sometimes truth shows where people really are. And they don't want to hear that. They want to hear you tell them something that will make them feel good. They want to hear something that will meet their agenda and way of thinking. But I want to tell you something tonight. Jesus never done that. He never done that. He spoke it as it was, and he declared as needed to be, and so must you and I. Oh, it doesn't mean we're to be rude and crude, and I'm not saying that. We're to use wisdom in the Bible. The Lord even lets us know we're to be wise as a serpent and what? Mm-hmm. Harmless as a dove. So we have to use wisdom, but we cannot be cowardice either. We cannot be cowardice. But the Lord points this out. Several years ago, I worked in a tool shop, and I had a man that I worked close by. He was probably, oh, Brother Parker, let me get closer to you, I'll say. Probably about right here to you, away. He worked on a machining center, and I worked in the manual mills and lays, and I was over here working. And, and every now and then, he would just kind of do these little jab words. He would say little bits of this and that to me, and I would laugh him off most of the time. You know, because anybody met a talker before? <laughs> he was a talker. He was a talker. And I just let him talk. You know, talkers are going to do that. They're just going to talk. And so I just let him ramble on and ramble on. But one day, he hit a nerve. <laughs> anybody ever had a nerve hit? <laughs> oh, boy. And then at that point, there was no laughing. There was no laughing because I am not ashamed of my God and I believe his word and his word I will stand on. It's not about me, you, or anyone else. It's about him and his word. His word is true. His word is sure. Needless to say, that scoffer heard some word that day. And there are times when we are to speak and there's a time to be silent. 
I have another passage of Scripture as we close I want to share with you concerning this subject. So keep that in mind. We'll come back to it. But Jesus also said concerning these religious rulers, leaders, in Matthew 15, 14, how many times have we read this? How fitting this is. He said, let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. You see, our witness must be wise. There are some people they don't want to hear. There are some people that don't want to hear this gospel message. There are some people, they become so hard in their hearts. They become so vile in their thinking. In fact, if you read in the book of Romans chapter 1, you can read about some of those type folk that Paul talked about. You see, when you reject God, when you reject God's word, my friend, he'll turn you over to a reprobate mind. He'll turn you over to vile affections. He'll turn you over to things that are not pleasing in his sight. And so we get an understanding. We get an understanding from the Word of God. There are going to be some that do not want to hear this message. There will be some that will make fun and mock. I've worked with others, and Brother Joel has worked with some of these others. There are some that you try to share a message with, and they become very ugly and mean. They will say things, and they'll look at you and say things, and uh, you'll have that. May I say tonight, learn. I'll pray for them, but I'm going to put them in God's hands. And I realize now more so what Jesus was speaking of concerning dogs and swine. You can have a sincere heart to reach out to somebody and that person can turn on you and trample you under their feet. I'm not going to ask for showing of hands, but I'm sure many of you here tonight have tried to help somebody. Reach out and done for them. Maybe you bought them groceries. Maybe you saw the need and, and you've done it because it was in your heart to do. You've done it to help them and to be to them what you felt God would have you to be. Only to have that person say things about you. Do things to you. You see, that's what the Lord's referring about. He's referring about the dogs that will turn on you. The swine that will trample that pearl. Those good things, those good deeds that God has put in your heart. Why would the enemy want to do so? I'll tell you plain out. He doesn't want you to do good deeds for nobody else. If he can discourage you about that one right there, he'll make you not want to do it for the other one over there that really needs what God has given to you and I. The only way I can tell you is this, we've got to put them spiritual feelers out. Anybody know what I mean tonight, the spiritual feelers? Sometimes you just kind of got to test the waters. Have you ever got in a bath water that was, you ran it and turned it on and, Maybe the wife's ran it for you, or you've run it for the wife. <laughs> I've done it to her more than she's done it to me. <laughs> Not intentionally. I like my water a little bit hotter than she does. But sometimes you can jump in, and whoo, it is too hot. 
Sometimes we got to test those waters before we get in. Sometimes you got to try the waters a little bit. It doesn't mean you give up on being that witness, church. God needs you and I to be his witness. But you do need to try the waters. Put prayer before you. Be that person God wants you to be. And when the time's right, God will open the door. He will open the door. But here we go. This may not be you. Okay, it was just me. In your zeal, especially when you're young in God. Anybody remember those days? <laughs> oh, your zeal. I want to tell everybody. I want to share this good news, and it is great news. It's the best news that could ever be shared. When the Lord fills you with the Holy Ghost, my friend, you can't keep quiet about that. There's something in you. You, you can't hold that back. You've got to share it. But not everyone's going to share your excitement, Brother Keelan. Not everyone's going to share your zeal. They're going to look at you like you're some crazy person. Some of them will. Man, this guy's fell off. He's, a, he's one of them fanatics. I had a boss one time tell me these words. <laughs> That's a bunch of, ah, he stopped and he chooses other words. He said, That's too theatrical. That's theatrical, is what he told me. I'm like, no, that's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> that's the Holy Ghost, and I'm not ashamed of it. You know, when we're young in God, we're going to make some mistakes. But I would rather make some mistakes and learn and go forward and be more for Him than to shut my mouth and not be a witness. Remember, because that's the one that had the one talent, just kind of keep that in the back of our minds. Use what God's given you to use. But we do have to beware about the scornful and the scoffer. There's always been and there always will be the Sanballats, the Tobias. There are always going to be those that will ridicule what you're trying to do for God. They will try to tear down. Oh, you don't do it. Uh, that You didn't do that right or whatever. Look, look, look. I may not do it right all the time. Oh, uh, no, let me rephrase that. I probably won't do it right most of the time because... I will make mistakes. You will make mistakes. You may have done it this way all your life. And someone else will come along and say, why did you do it like that? And then all you can say is, well, it's always worked for me. Now, I'm all about learning, though. Anybody else about learning? If it'll help me do something better, okay, I'm all ears. <laughs> Show me, tell me. I'm willing to learn. But I'm speaking of those, they're not saying to help you. They're just trying to pick you. So we've got to be wise. We've got to be careful. But we should never quit. We should never quit. Don't be weary in well-doing. Don't, don't get discouraged and give up. Keep being the witness he has called you to be for him. Yes, there will be some that will laugh. I've had some in my face laugh. I've had some to say unkind things, and you will have those things. But just remember this. There's always going to be dogs. There's always going to be swine, as Jesus referred to. You pray for folks, you put them in God's hands, and it's between them and God.
at that point. But you must go forward and you must keep doing what God's put in your heart to do. God has put in our hearts to be a witness for Him and a light. That man that I used to work with several years ago, and I had to share this passage of Scripture because he was smart. Have you ever met anybody that was always smarter than you and everybody else around you? He was one of them. Everybody was stupid in him, his, his eyes. Even the engineers, and they went to college for that. Oh, this is how I would do it. Always boasting how smart they are and what they've done. and they're... Nobody knows it all. Nobody knows it all. But there are some that think they know it all. So finally, I, being young in the Lord, I shared a passage of Scripture with him that I want to share with you. I'm not saying it was right. But he stopped his yapping. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 38, because he was so smart and I'm, I, you know, I'm just a simple young kid. I was in my 20s. I'm learning. So I shared a passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 14, 38. I'll wait for brother. There we go. So I shared with him, but if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Now, I wasn't speaking of myself. Sometimes people, no matter what you say, you're always going to be wrong. Don't stop witnessing for Him. Don't stop being for the Lord what He's called you to be. He's called you to be a light and a witness for Him. Oh, yes, I've, I've had to do some repenting. I've had the mistakes I've made. I'm probably going to make some more. I don't want to make them. I don't try to make them, but I know I will make them because I'm just flesh. But one thing I can tell you, church, if I make a mistake, if I do a wrong, I'm not going to cover it under the rug. You won't be blessed covering your mistakes under the rug. And you will not find mercy in the eyes of God. But my friend, when you acknowledge your wrongdoing, when you acknowledge and you make things right, you get the forgiveness of God, the mercies of God. And there's some folks I've had to speak with to make things right. Some of them, you will gain their respect at that point. Some You'll probably never have their respect, but that's between them and God. Just be who God's called you to be. How many realize tonight we're just to be who God called us to be? God didn't call you to be me or I you. God called you to be His chosen vessel for Him. And for a wise witness, I think this is the best advice I can give you because I've given you, I've showed you some of my mistakes. Okay? Not talk about nobody else. I just talk about me. I've showed you some of my mistakes. I'll be honest. I'll be transparent. And I've learned and I'm still learning. But to have a wise witness, to have an effective witness, one word will sum it all up love. Love. God's love, if you will get that in your heart, if I'll get that in my heart, 
My friend, if you get God's love in your heart, it will help you in every situation. When you feel to get riled up and stirred up because of something said or done, God's love will turn that around. And you'll pray instead of speaking things that you should not speak. Sometimes, though, we just have to let folks do their thing and pray for them. Pray for them. And some, well, if they're going to be ignorant, that's their choice. That's their choice. You see, you can know what's right, but if you don't adhere to it, you become ignorant. For the Bible lets us know that them that know to do good and do it not, to them it's sin. So for us, wisdom, wisdom is keeping God's love strong in our hearts. So if I ever offend you, Come to me on the side. We'll talk about it. It's not my desire to offend anybody. It's my desire to encourage, to help along the way. Why? Because not only do I want to be saved, I want you and everyone. I don't want to see nobody lost, church. I don't want to see nobody lost. But in being a wise witness, sometimes, remember, test the waters. Test the waters. Sometimes it may be a little too hot. You have to wait for it to cool down. When the time's right, then it's time to step on in. But Jesus warns us and tells us about the dogs. Remember, they'll travel in packs, and they'll turn on you. Remember that pearl, the pearls. That is God's love. That is this message of salvation. That is this joy that God has given to every one of us. Not everyone will appreciate your joy and the love of God. Put them in God's hands and move on. And reach out to that one that is truly hungry and needy, that desires of him a wise witness. A wise witness. Can I get you to stand tonight?